Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Laughing Through the Pain podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor. I'm Marianne. And today is the part two of last week's episode, which covers toxic relationships. And um, I think this list is like red flags or something. Yes, red flags to look out for, including very early signs that you are in a toxic relationship. So if you want to go listen to part one, um, where we cover a decent half of the list, it's like 23 things, go check that out uh, before listening to the rest of this episode. And yeah, let's just kind of get it going. Let's go. So last week we ended on number nine, which was controlling how you look or dress or and what you eat. So we already discussed that. So now we're moving on to point 10, which is belittling or diminishing talk. Dang. Belittling or diminishing talk may seem somewhat harmless as people often do this in normal, non-abusive relationships as a way of playing with one another. When it becomes a constant degrading tactic to undermine or control, it is an emotional red flag of abuse. It is a manipulative tactic to make the survivor smaller than the abuser and maintain control over them. It comes in the form of criticism, put-downs, insults, undermining, and shaming. The abuser will nearly always cover their tracks by saying it is a joke or it's a two-way street. Signs of belittling include sarcastic comments as jokes, telling others you are crazy, minimizing your feelings, thoughts, and emotions. Hmm. Oh my lord. (laughs) Was this ever my relationship with, uh, what did we call him last week? Dirtbag. Dirtbag DB? Yeah. (laughs) I remember editing that and just chuckling every time you said it. And I would also do that when, like, in person too. So I was just laughing with myself. (laughs) We're laughing at ourselves. Laughing through the pain. Laughing through the pain. Subscribe. (laughs) I cannot remember anything specific, oddly enough, that DB used to say to me. But... Um, his belittling talk wouldn't just come from, you know, making fun of me, being sarcastic, but it would also come from just ignoring me. Mm. Um, and that really goes with that last point of, uh, the heck is Minimizing it? your feelings, thoughts, and emotions? Yes. I would, I remember this, I would be telling him how my day at work went, how I was feeling, something I was going through, and he would just kind of sit there and listen staring off into the distance, I would finish, he would say nothing, and then he would start talking about something else completely. Mm. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't have a voice, so I might as well not say anything. Dang. I know. I know that he used diminishing talk a lot, and uh, he did belittle me. He'd make fun of me. One of the things that I hated, and I hate it to this day, it gives me, like, I'm not even kidding when I say it gives me PTSD when I hear someone else do this, is he would mock my voice in, like, a low, degrading tone. Like, if you were to say, um, can you please, uh, close the window, I'm cold, he'd say, oh, can you please close the window, I'm cold. Mm. He would use that voice. Mm. And it drove me out of my mind because it was belittling, Mm -hmm. it was demeaning, it made me feel like not only did he not care about my feelings, but my feelings were stupid Mm. and my, you know, anything that I was going with was dumb and it wasn't worth bringing up. So I just stopped bringing it up. I stopped talking to him about stuff Mm. because I knew 
especially towards the end that I would just get made fun of. Mm. So it was that voice. And when people do that, just to mock someone else talking, I'm just like, oh, stop. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah, I I do remember, like, he would make fun of people for the dumbest crap. Like, I found out that I really liked uh, the taste of Kahlua, but I liked to mix it with almond milk. And he was like, he thought that was, like, the dumbest thing in the world And he, like, made fun of me for it. And I was just like, I don't give a crap about how you think of me. Which is kind of interesting, because I had that attitude towards him. Like, whatever he thought of me, I was like, I don't, I don't give a, (laughs) you know, I don't care what you have to say to me, what you think about me. Which is interesting, because, like, me as a person, and I think I'm kind of maybe starting to grow out of it a little bit more, um... But for so many years, and, like, sometimes to this day, I'm like, if if I think that someone doesn't like me, it bothers me a lot. Mm. Like, I probably talked about it with you. I'm like, I feel like this person doesn't like me. And then it, like, kind of gets to me. But, like, I was not very nice to him, to his face, and <laughs> yeah. behind his back. <laughs> I remember that. You, you would show no mercy to him. You made fun of his hat once. Did I? <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember that. He was, he was wearing, like, a straw hat that, like, his high school coach had given him. It was a stupid-looking hat. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say it was stupid-looking because that's rude of his fiance <laughs> to say. But I remember you saying, yours is the stupidest hat <laughs> I have ever seen. And I was shocked. I was like, oh, Eleanor! I, <laughs> I did that a lot. I remember, like... Yeah, I was so not nice to him. <laughs> like, probably a majority of the time, <laughs> I'm surprised he ever talked to me <laughs> or, like, acknowledged my existence because from the beginning, I was off-put by him, and I was, like, very, like, uh, uh I don't know how to feel about you. And <laughs> I have this bad habit of, if I think that someone is out to do something wrong, like, oh, I don't know. You know that dude who showed up last night? Who we were like, you yes. left forever ago. There, there was this guy who was causing problems and he wasn't very nice to the girls in our group. He was just kind of creepy and gross. Um... <laughs> And so I'm like, you are, for all intents and purposes, a predator. Not like, I think in all sense of the terms, he was harmless enough, but he would just, he would just like corner girls and try to talk to them. And it was just weird. And so I really did not like him. He introduced himself to me four times. (laughs) And by the fourth time I was like, yeah, I know who you are. I'm like, I knew who you were before you introduced yourself to me the first time. And so I just get this, like, aggressive front for people like that. Mm. And I don't really know why. (laughs) But I just get, like, on the... Like, I feel like most of the time I'm more of a defensive person. But I was like, I go for the attack. (laughs) And that that was my, like, attitude with DB. Mm -hmm. Um, The angry chihuahua. (laughs) 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 So that yeah, I don't, I don't know like what what the shift in my mindset is or really like why I do it. I think it's more of a like 
I'm protective over the people that I love. And especially since, like, I wasn't ever actively mean to that other guy. I brushed him off a lot because I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, you have nothing <laughs> that I really want to hear. But with DB, he was active in your life mm-hmm. and after you. And I was just like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I just get, like... I get in this, like, weird aggressive, like, aggressor mindset with it, and I didn't really feel bad, because I was like, this is what you do to other people, you make fun of other people, so... It's like a bulldog. You protect your loved ones from oncoming threats. You're just like, (laughs) I know, it's not the, like, it's not the most, like, graceful thing that I could do to, to people like that, but I think, I don't know. I think it's a it's more of like a self-defense mechanism of like get away from here. <laughs> like I'm trying to drive you off by being mean to you like a bulldog. Like, but it doesn't it doesn't happen very often. No, with very specific people who exhibit very specific behaviors. Yeah. It's not just like, anyone no, that you don't like. No. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, I don't know. There's my rant about like my own uh <laughs> I don't know what you would call that. I don't know. Sure, my own quirk. I have a quirk of bullying my... I was going to say barking, and then I thought of what you said to me last night. (laughs) This dude at our group kept, like, glancing at me, and I would deliberately, like, look his way to catch him to make him feel uncomfy for staring at me, and I let Eleanor know. I was like, this dude keeps, like side-eyeing me and then she was like you should bark at him <laughs> and i legit thought about it hey you <laughs> hey i've seen so many videos on like tiktok of like if you can out crazy somebody they'll be like oh they'll i want you. nothing to do with you like oh there's this this is so off topic to everything we're talking about <laughs> but i think it's really funny there is this kid on TikTok, and I think he's, like, 18 or something now, or, like, over 18, but he was talking about what, he was, like, 14 or 15, and this, like, this boy was being followed by this man, and he went, like, he was, like, on his way home, and he kept just, like, circling around, being like, is this person actually following me, and so he got, I don't know where he was exactly, but then (laughs) he, like, turned around and just started acting insane i'll have to show you the video because i can't remember exactly what he did oh my god but the guy like was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's like if you can prove you're crazier than them like you don't know how unhinged that's i've also seen that as like self-defense tactics for women too like if you could just act like you're the most insane person like like they don't know what you're gonna do i'll just start barking (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's just <laughs> that's just my weird tangent of, of, of that kind of thing. I want to, like, almost try it, but I also don't want to be in a situation where I know. I, I hope to. we never have to try it. <laughs> I just think it would be amusing in the aftermath. But anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, 11 is chronic lying and claiming ignorance. One of the most prominent emotional abuse... Red flags is chronic lying and proclaiming naive ignorance. 
An emotional abuser will chronically lie about anything and everything with a straight face and swear it as truth. <laughs> if discovered, they will claim naive ignorance that there is no way they could have distinguished their lie wasn't true. Even when confronted with evidence of a lie, they will deny it. Then they will blame you for whatever they lied about or that you made them lie. This tactic is a setup to control the narrative, so when the relationship fails, the survivor will be fully responsible for all the bad things that ever happened to destroy the relationship. For the abuser, there is always a strategy to cover themselves and always plan a move to their next victim free of any responsibility. Oh, man. <laughs> that was literally my life for the year and some months that I was with DB, especially that last part, because I remember at the end of the relationship when I confided in a couple of people that he knew, I wasn't going to go to all of his friends and say what a dirtbag he was, mm. but there were a couple of people that I confided in just to warn them like, hey, this guy is bad news. I would encourage you to just set some boundaries and kind of steer clear. Um, I bet you anything that the story that I told them and then the reasons that DB gave for me leaving him were vastly different. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he went back to his little drinking buddies and said, oh, she's crazy. Oh, she's this. And I know that for a fact because his mom of all people reached out to me over text like two weeks after I left him. Mm. And she was like, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't live your life in fear. I know that you're afraid of growing up and leaving home. And everything that she said, I was like, oh, I see where your son gets his diabolical manipulative tactics from. Because everything she said, it was bullying. Mm. It was harassment. It was passive aggression. She was trying to bully me into marrying her son. Oh, goodness. Yep. And I was so mad. And then I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Mm. It's not worth it. Oh, yeah, you never did you you didn't ever respond to her, did you? Nope. I had a friend who told me do not respond to her because no matter what, she's going to side with her son. And I was like, that's a fair point, you know? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, DB lived a life of lies. And not not even not just lies, but he would like deliberately believe something that wasn't true. Like, I remember very specifically, we got into a fight in the middle of King's Supers because he was trying to convince me that red velvet cake is chocolate cake mm. and there's no difference between them. And I was like, yes, there is a difference between them because I don't like chocolate cake. I like red velvet cake. There are certain ingredients that make them different. He was like yelling at me in the middle of King Supers telling me, you're stupid. Chocolate cake and red velvet cake are the exact same thing. You're dumb. And he would just like storm off and leave me to cry by myself oh. in the in the dessert aisle. <laughs> just like so upset. But I didn't want to fight him on it because I knew that I wasn't going to change his mind because he was prideful. So I just let it go. Yeah. I was just like, okay, you believe what you want to believe. Um, of course, he lied a lot. And most of the lies stemmed from not falling through. Wait, how do I word this? Most most of his lies were not following through on things mm. that he said he was going to do. I cannot I tell. That's a, I think that's 
common with a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you. they make all you. these false promises. Yeah. He told me, and I remember, I think we said this last week, um, he told me we were going to travel the world. Mm. You know, he made life with him sound so romantic. We were going to travel the world. And then towards the end of the relationship, I was like, you don't have money. <laughs> You're poor. You're broke. <laughs> How are we going to travel the world? How are we going to go to Italy? Because he knew that I really, really wanted to go to Italy. I still do. So he would use that. Oh, you marry me. We'll travel the world. We'll go to Italy. We'll go to France. We'll go to Ireland. Um, and, of course, by the end, I was like, no, we're not. You're broke. You don't know how to keep a job. You're a loser. Um, the biggest one is... He promised my parents that he would build a patio deck in their backyard. He said this very early on in our relationship. Mm. He came over twice to work on it and then just stopped coming. And he would make up the dumbest excuses in the world. Oh, there's a wood shortage. Mm. Oh, I need more money so I can buy you more quality wood. So my dad would give him more money and he would go and spend it uh, on booze, essentially. Booze and junk food and nothing nothing good. Everything mm. his money went to was just, like, disgusting. Mm. Um, so that's that was the way that he would lie, is he would say something, he would commit to something, he would promise something, and then not follow through on it, and then make up excuses as to why. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and our backyard is still torn up. From the work that he didn't finish doing. So mm. now my parents have to spend extra money to get that fixed and then pay some other guy to come in and build them a proper deck. Mm. Like, it drove me crazy because that's when I started making excuses for him. Mm. Oh, you know, he's... Oh, God, I can't even remember. I think I would use the same excuses he would use. Oh, you have to show him mercy because his ex-wife abused him. Mm. Which I'm I'm certain that's not true. <laughs> I'm certain based on his behaviors and what he said about her versus the way he treated me, I'm certain that he abused her and she got away from him. Like, whoever you are, girl out there, I'm not going to say your name, but whoever you are, you exist and I'm so proud of you for leaving him. You and me both, sis. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, there will always be another. There will. Which is really sad. There have been men that I've dated in the past who, oddly enough, weren't nearly as bad as DB. I mean, they weren't fine, outstanding gentlemen, but they were trying. <laughs> but back then, you know, they were kind of losers. They had their flaws. They didn't treat me right. Um, I mean, know. there's a difference between just being a general loser and being an abusive a loser <laughs> yeah a loser who also happens to be um but i i will realize oh these guys are married now mm. i think like every single one of my exes are now married and i'm not gonna do this but so badly i want to reach out to those women and be like are you okay oh god like do you need me like i remember um i used to have two facebooks that's another story but on one of my facebooks you know how when you get a message from someone you don't know or you don't have mutual friends with, it goes into a different folder? Yeah. So I would regularly clear out that folder because it was mostly spam. But I got this message from this girl. Mm. And I kind of recognized her name, kind of recognized her picture. But I was like, who is this? And I clicked on it. And she was like, hey, um, we'll call him Alex. 
Um, one of my exes, Alex, he had a drinking problem, he was angry, and he was emotionally abusive. He was. Um, Alex had gotten married to this girl. Mm-hmm. And she messaged me, and she said, hey, Alex has told me a lot about you, and he used to make all this stuff up, but now I'm seeing that he's behaving really horribly towards me, so I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, by the time I'd seen the message, it was like eight months later. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, is she okay? So I clicked on her Facebook, and they they were divorced. Mm. There was no evidence of her on his Facebook. There was no evidence of him on her Facebook. And I was like, I am proud of her for leaving. However, she found the courage to leave. Mm. Um, But I felt bad that I missed that message because it was in a folder that I seldom check. It was eight months later. Twelve is infidelity. Some say cheaters will never change. They carry emotional abuse from one partner to another. Each time the lies, disrespect, and gaslighting spread to everyone involved and their families. Infidelity is a red flag that, in that it uses selfish, deceptive, and diminishing measures to inflict blame, guilt, gaslighting, grief, and betrayal on the survivor to manipulate and control the relationship or its outcome. The abuser portrays themselves as the victim who had no other choice. Ooh. Okay, so I remember mentioning this last week. Um, I don't have any evidence that DB ever cheated on me. But towards the end, I caught him, you know, going to coffee with another woman. Right, yeah, you did talk about that. And you and I have had this conversation before, like, what counts as infidelity? Mm. What counts as cheating? We did talk about that, yeah. Which is interesting because, (laughs) okay, so I, I have admitted this before, and I'll admit it now, I have cheated. I have cheated on a couple of different partners. I was a horrible person, and I admit to that. And it's nothing I'm proud of, and I'm sorry for that. Um, Being cheated on makes you feel like the smallest person in the whole world. Mm. Like, the depths of betrayal, I can't even describe them. Like, to be cheated on and realizing that's what I had done to men in the past, it made me feel so (laughs) scummy. All that to say, that is something that DB used against me. Oh, yeah. oh, I do remember you telling me about this, and I was like, are you freaking serious? Mm-hmm. He was like, I have never cheated. You're the one that I have to keep my eye on, because you're the one with the bad track record, or however he described it. So, he was the dutiful, loyal, faithful, oh. soon-to-be husband. But and, I... Ugh. Obviously, we don't know the lives of other people, but I question how true that was. I question how true everything he said was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially because he went to coffee with another woman and didn't tell me about it until afterwards. And then made me feel guilty uh-huh. for calling him out on it. So... Yeah, that's how it works. If we're talking about infidelity, like, I think the definition changes for everybody. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, I guess we could look up an actual dictionary definition. Um... Pretty much, um, unfaithfulness, adultery, um, extramarital sex, faithlessness, disloyalty, falseness, breach of trust, treachery, (laughs) double dealing, duplicity, uh, deceit, um, affair, um, playing the field, 
cheating, <laughs> mm-hmm. two-timing, hanky-panky. Hanky-panky. That's a British term for sex. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've heard even just, like, in in certain definitions from people, like, even just looking at someone else in a lustful way could be considered cheating. Um, yeah. I I think maybe, like, I mean, that is, I guess, debatable. And I think it probably depends on the person. Because I haven't really heard that from too many people. Um, it's definitely not good. <laughs> right. I haven't heard that either. Uh, yeah, I heard it from, like, one couple who, who they were answering kind of a similar question. It was, like, a YouTube video. Um guess i don't know maybe google has something to say about it i have um i've heard different people set different standards for faithfulness because it's like what is the like how far can you go before it's considered infidelity and like i said there's there's different terms like there are emotional affairs yeah i would definitely say like if you are investing in someone emotionally even if you're not like sleeping with them, if you're investing in them emotionally in a way that you do with your, I guess we could call it primary partner. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I mean, that's definitely not okay. Even if you don't consider it cheating, I don't think it's okay in any means because it's a, like cheating on someone like we were talking about doesn't happen overnight. It's like a small buildup of little things. Um, I think you said compromises. Mm-hmm. And, like, sharing deep emotional stuff with someone else, you know, that's a part of the sex mm-hmm. you're attracted to. Going to someone with problems in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, going to someone... <laughs> that would be, like, you going to... Like, if if you were married and you went to some other guy yep. for your marriage problems. Yep. Like... One-on-one, just us... Yeah. Confiding in him, that is and, like, dangerous ground. And, like, doing it multiple times. Yeah, that's dangerous like, ground. you know, if you were to share it with me, that's an acceptable, vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. But that's because... You're a you're whammon. Tra- I, <laughs> I'm a whammon. <laughs> Ow! Sorry. <laughs> <Your foot. laughs> you're a whammon. So, it, it really depends. Because I've been cheated on, um... My ex, Reynold. <laughs> Reynold. Reynold. He, he slept with a girl that uh, he knew that he called his best friend. And I saw evidence leading up to that. Like, um, if we were together until 2 o'clock in the morning, he would roll over and text her immediately. Oh my gosh. And I was like, why are you texting her at 2 o'clock in the morning? Um, he would send her, like, heart emojis. He would call her the Wendy to his Peter Pan. Um, he would call her beautiful. And it's like, um, isolated events like that, maybe it's fine, but it was like... Uh, even isolated events, I think it was not. Uh, one of the... I looked up what counts as cheating, and... It says infidelity is any activity that could hurt the other person or hurt the relationship. Cheating is anything that involves 
another person from trolling dating apps to sexting to having acci- or <laughs> accidental sex <laughs> <laughs> to actually having sex. And then at the bottom, it says the worst is emotional betrayal. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, uh, definitely not. No bueno there. <laughs> Accidentally. I'm sorry. Like, what just slipped just... right in. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no, I like that definition because it, there are different kinds of pain. There's different kinds of infidelity. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think whether it's like sleeping with someone else or emotionally investing in someone else, I think that's like, I think both are equally as bad. Going to coffee with another woman. And if there's nothing shady about it, then why not tell me before it's going to happen? Right. So I'm, I'm certain he was, he was unfaithful. Like, he had to be. <laughs> if everything... Oh, my God. Stop dropping your phone! It keeps lying. Bro! I'm sorry. It just accidentally slipped. <laughs> I'm just gonna put this right here. There we go. Try sliding off the desk, boy. Oh, man. Uh, what was I in the middle of saying? Oh. I don't know. If everything else is wrong with him... Oh, but at least he was loyal. I, I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. If everything else was wrong. <laughs> but he didn't cheat but on you. But at least you. he didn't cheat. He didn't accidentally have <laughs> He didn't accidentally have sex with someone else. Yep. My goodness. What's the next one? Uh, history of abusive behavior. I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, yep. I think that's a tough one sometimes to judge. Um, because they're obviously not going to be truthful about their about their past mm-hmm. um or if they are it's gonna be half truths twisting the truth um but probably putting the blame on the other person like That's i think you, you talked about he did that a lot <clears throat> yep with his ex that was a big one um yeah he accused her of all sorts of nasty things yeah i yeah uh, i wonder gross. like how because I feel like he would tell a lot of, like, twisted or half-truths. He would. So I'm curious what the full truth of it is. But, I mean, I guess we'll never know. That's what's dangerous. I don't recall a time when he ever just flat-out lied to me. Mm-hmm. But it was always sneaky, secretive, shady. Like, oh, I'm going to coffee with a friend. Mm. And then it was later when I found out it was a woman that he went to high school with. Mm-hmm. And they were praying together. And it's mm-hmm. like... We never pray. What the heck are you doing? Yeah. So that's hard to, think, determine. But, you know. Gross. If it's there, if if you can somehow see it, I, like. Get out. Don't don't think you can change someone either. No. Because I think think that's a big, um, a, a mistake on the part of the abused party and not to like shame the victim but I have heard a lot of the time where they will say oh I thought I could change him mm-hmm. like that was I I wouldn't say my my only boyfriend was abusive um he definitely had a lot of problems um but I had that kind of a mindset I was like I can change him um because he had um some issues, um, and 
that I frankly should have just... I regret not breaking up with him the second that he told me about it. But I was also like... He, he said he'll, like... The only reason that he tried to do better was because of me. Mm. And so... Uh-huh. And then, like, the second that we broke up, I knew he went right back. Yep. So I was like... I'm like, you can talk the talk now, but I was like, this isn't going to last, even if, like, I mean, I couldn't verify that he was telling me the truth or anything, but I, and I told him (laughs) when we broke up, because I I gave him a pretty generalized statement as to why, and then I gave him a little bit more detail after the fact, Um, and I told him that I didn't have any confidence that he would ever change. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, um, spicy. And that made that pissed him off. But it was true. I whether or not it actually was true, I don't know, but people don't like if you're changing for someone else, the change is going to be temporary. Um 9 times out of 10. Like the only like change that you should have with someone else is if you're growing together. And not being forced into changing or changing yourself for someone else. Because that was like, I, you know, I told him when he when he was honest with me about it, I was like, it's like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to change yourself, do it for yourself. Do it for you. Do it for your sake. Do it to be a better person in this world. Don't he do was... it for... For all intents and purposes, he was just, like, half-assing it. Like, not to, like, I know, like, this is a clean podcast, but I have no other, like, a really phrase to, to say. In my Christian Minecraft server. (laughs) (laughs) He was half, okay, he was half-aing it, if that's what you want me to say. (laughs) No, you're fine. But. (laughs) We're all adults here. But, I mean, like, that's, I straight up was like, you know, I don't think that. Um, pretty much I said, like, because he claimed to, you know, be following the same religion, the same God, um, that I follow. Um, and I was just like, you don't actually, like, towards the end, I was like, you don't actually believe this. Mm. And even though he said he did, but his after like his um phrasing after the fact was very clear to me that I was like you're just bull crapping this <laughs> I was like you don't like you you know he yeah anyway well, he wasn't abusive but I didn't have any confidence that he would ever get better <laughs> he was certainly toxic to- oh yeah toxic for sure um, next one. <laughs> awesome. Number 14, alcohol or drug abuse. So yeah, my ex-boyfriend was an alcoholic. Mine he too. Kept, he kept alcohol at his desk all the time. Yep. Yep. My, my boy would have, not my boy, <coughs> DB would have a beer with breakfast. He would say, beer is calories. But it's not a breakfast. It's not breakfast. <laughs> I know. What the heck? This, he could not go through 
a single day of his life without some sort of alcohol. Yep. He would hang out at breweries. He would hit up the liquor store, use a discount to just fill his fridge with beer. Um, He would jokingly describe himself as a professional alcoholic. I remember him telling me that at some point, and I was just like... So dumb. I was literally like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) He played a particular sport, a local... He was part of a local sports club, and he would say... It's part of the culture, probably. He Yeah, he would say... I'm, I'm just going to say it. Um, he would say, my drinking team has a rugby problem. <laughs> he would joke about that. And I remember in the months leading up to me leaving him, we went to a house party. Um, oh, and I drank myself silly for two reasons. A, I wanted to chill out because he was stressing me out. And B, to fit in. Everyone else was drinking. Mm. Classic peer pressure. I want to be like everyone else and do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. I'm I'm a lightweight. (laughs) It does not take a lot to get me buzzed. But I was drinking deliberately to get drunk. I wanted to just have a good time. Mm. Quote, unquote. I remember this night so well. I was drinking my butt off. Just beer after beer after beer after beer. And I almost fell down a flight of stairs. Mm. And I remember his friend saying, someone help her. Is she okay? Get her some water. Get her to lie down. And my fiance of all people, oh, she's fine. She'll sober up in 20 minutes. Just you watch. Don't worry about her. His friends were the ones who were like, are you okay? Let me help you down these stairs. And he was like, eh, she's fine. Oh, of course. He was turning me into an alcoholic he was if i'd stayed with him oh i Mm -hmm. i that was the most frustrating thing to see Mm -hmm. because i was like i because not only were you like smoking with everybody Mm -hmm. but you were also drinking a lot and i was like that's not a healthy lifestyle nope but i i do remember I think I did confront you on this, because I was like... Did you? I did. I talked to you about it, Ooh, and you tried to make the argument of, like, well, like junk food is also bad for you, but you still eat it. I said that? Yes, you did. Oh, my... Or, like, something really, really close to it. I could slap myself in the face it for that one. pissed me off. I was like, are you freaking serious i have no memory like you tried to compare it to other types of things that are like like things like you know eating out or like did i use the everything in moderation argument because that's the argument that he would use with me you i think you did you did at some point i probably But you also did. did that like comparison of like well this is bad for you too uh, okay. But th- that might have led into the everything in moderation thing. Hold on. <laughs> I have just slapped myself in the face. What kind of baloney? <laughs> Literally, I... You should have slapped me. I wanted to, because it was... And, like, I was talking to my sister about it, too, and she also was like, well, coffee's also bad for you, but, like, you still drink a cup a day or, like... I said that or your sister said that? No, my sister said that. Oh, jeez. Because, like, I was telling her about it and I was just like, 
you know, the smoking is unhealthy. I was like, I don't care what she says. Like, I was like, it's not good for you. <laughs> it wasn't. And, like... It was not. I, I don't have a, an issue um, with alcohol or the consumption of alcohol. I have wine in my fridge right now. I had a <laughs> glass of wine last night. But, like, that bottle has lasted me uh, all week. I think I had... Like, one half glass on, like, Monday. And I had another glass last night. Yeah, if you're going to subscribe to the everything in moderation... It has to be in moderation. It has to be in moderation. I don't disagree with everything in moderation, but do it moderately. Yeah. Yeah, so, like... (laughs) Don't have a beer for breakfast, and then a beer with lunch, and then a beer for dinner, and then a beer at 1130 at night. Like, oh my gosh, he was awful. Yeah, and you were... I was, too. Turning into that. The night that he came, like, I told you, he moved me out of state. Yep. Like, I was in a brand new city, brand new state. I didn't know anyone. The day he came into town, he picked a fight with me. He made me cry. Um, And that night, we went to dinner with a buddy of his. Mm. And I got, I drank excessively because I was like, I can't do this. Mm. And when I realized I was drinking in order to alter my state of mind... And the only way to feel better was to drink. Yeah, to cope. I was like, I have a problem. And I have not tasted alcohol since. Well, you drank at my sister's party. But you had, like, one drink? Did I? Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember this. Did I drink that night? (laughs) Yeah, you did. You had... You didn't drink... Oh, no, you're right. You didn't drink a lot. You're right. You, You actually did pretty well. You're right. I I did drink that one time. And I think I told you, right? Did I tell you, hold me accountable to this? I told someone. You probably, it was probably me. I I don't really remember that, but I, you probably did say that. Yeah, it was, and I remember thinking, or I remember telling the bartender, so to speak, (laughs) to make it light. Uh, I do remember that now. I remember, because he told me, like, do you want one shot or two? And I was like, oh, like half. (laughs) Like, I want more juice than anything, so. Yeah. You also, I think you might have had two drinks, but you didn't finish the second one because I kept stealing it. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh like, I, I am not a lightweight. I can, I can uh, have a decent amount. You're better than me when it comes to, I remember having a glass but of champagne. But you're also, like, tiny. I'm wee. <laughs> I had a glass of champagne at my sister's wedding, and it was, like, not even half a glass and i was like dancing on the floor and (laughs) dude this i have a wine glass on my desk right now it was filled up to here and i didn't even get a buzz from the whole thing oh there you go so drink responsibly kids (laughs) and like also know your tolerance yeah like i am confident in my tolerance i can have a glass of wine and be just fine Mm mm-hmm and I have to limit myself to one. If I ever drink again, I have to limit myself to one. And I have to let somebody else know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink alone. Yeah. I don't normally, like, I didn't drink for a really long time because I was, like, getting into that pattern of drinking too much. Uh, which I am not proud of. <laughs> I kind of, I regret that a lot. Um, so I, I have one specific wine that I really, really like. And I haven't really, like, purchased alcohol in a very long time. Um, yeah, that was the first time in how long? 
over a year that I've probably, that I probably ever bought a, a glass of wine. And, like, I've had a glass of wine, like, when my mom's bought it. Mm-hmm. But I don't love her wine. It's decent, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know, we were playing a game on my computer. <laughs> so oh. we had a, a glass or two. But anyway, yeah, so that happened. Know your both, tolerance. <laughs> but both you and my sister both gave me really similar, like, bullcrap answers. And I, was, and I was like, not, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was so, I was so upset at both of you. Especially her, because I know that she doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but yep. he's turning her into this person and making, like, and convincing her to live this way. And she was just like, she didn't like him, but for whatever reason, she was like, eh, with the alcohol and smoking thing. It was so, ugh, it makes me mad. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. Like, I'm, I have forgiven you for everything. I just, I just remembered that as we were talking, though, and I just remembered, like, how... Dang, I legit have no memory of that. Like, after you told me that I had a drink at your sister's birthday party, I was like, oh, yeah, that came to mind, but nothing is coming to mind for that conversation. I believe you. I believe it happened, but it happened, I'm like... Oh. Well, it actually happened a couple of... Maybe two or three times. Twice was over text. Once was you were... Oh. Um, you were house-sitting for a family that you nannied for. Mm-hmm. And I came and slept over, mm-hmm. and I think it was then that I was like, "Listen," Yo, <laughs> and listen. you just brushed it off. Dang. Which, like, you know, listen not... to your friends. I'm not mad about it now, but I was back. You were, then. and you had every like, you had oh. every right to be. Oh my gosh! Breaking boundaries. Number fifteen. Breaking boundaries is a red flag if an ab- obviously if an abuser <laughs> reaches your personal, material, physical, mental, or sexual space. It is an underhanded control tactic that is unacceptable in maintaining a healthy relationship. A few ways abusers break boundaries: reading personal journals, going through your purse or personal case, spying on emails, demanding your passwords. Using what you love most against you, taking control of your personal items, um, intruding on personal space, controlling your beliefs or opinions, um, invading your sexual boundaries, inappropriate discussions with family or friends, opening your mail. Hmm. There were two ways, actually three going through the end of that list. There were three ways in which he broke my boundaries. For one, if I was texting someone and I was, like, sitting next to him, he would glance over at my phone mm. and see what I was saying and to whom I was saying it. He's probably making sure you weren't doing anything shady. Suspicious. Because, yeah, I'm the one with the bad track record. Mm. Um, so I remember that happening fairly often. Um, the second way was very specific. I remember I had fallen asleep on his couch, which is something he used to get mad at me for. Um, I had fallen asleep. For what reason? (laughs) I I don't know. Oh, no, I do know. It was, you don't come over so we can just watch TV and fall asleep. Yeah, that was, he got mad at me multiple times for that. But I remember one occasion I fell asleep on his couch and I woke up and my hand was in his hand. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was trying to unlock my phone using my thumbprint. 
Because that's how I would unlock my phone, was with my thumbprint. You, you know, actually, you, wasn't it your finger? Or was it that... Was, it was one of the fingers, I don't remember. Um, but he would, he was taking my hand and trying to swipe on the phone to unlock my phone. And I remember asking him, like, what are you doing? And I don't remember his exact answer, but it was, I think he thought I was texting one of his friends. And... He wanted to make sure or something. I don't Mm -hmm. remember exactly what he said. But I was like, there's no excuse for that. That's shady. And then going back to the very bottom where it says inappropriate discussion with your family and friends. That's the whole reason that he was asked to leave our group in the first place, wasn't it? Just talking about really just dirty, trashy stuff with these young adults and these young women, especially these 18, 19, 20 year old uh, women. It was just, oh, it was vile when I heard. It was pretty awful. Yeah. When I heard the things that he was talking about. I think it was either you or Margaret who finally, not finally as in what took you so long, but finally as in I finally knew the truth about what happened that night. And I can't uh, remember if it was you or her or a combination of both. I it think was it was probably, Margaret who told It me. was probably her because when he was around, I just didn't. You tuned him out. <laughs> I I feel like one of my good skills is avoiding people that I don't want to talk to. Yeah. Like you were just saying, you were like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't want to engage with you. Yeah. So yeah, that, that specifically, inappropriate discussions with your family and friends. I didn't realize at the time that that was a violation of boundaries. I w- you know, I wouldn't have actually thought about that either. Mm. And like something that I realized recently was... I feel like throughout my life, there's just, it's always been more, like, unspoken boundaries. Because um, I, I mean, growing up, I didn't, I barely had male friends. Mm. Um, but I would pretty much, like, my mindset with my male friends was, um, they're just like my brothers. Um, that was, that's how I view, like, my male friends now. Um, that's, I, I guess looking back, that's probably what it was back then too. So it was always like this unspoken kind of boundary. Um, I just kind of knew, like I knew my place (laughs) (laughs) for like lack of a better word. Um, but then I had a friend who we had gotten really close. Um, and, there was boundaries that, um, you know, he established with me and like, he's not perfect. Um, and I think we, neither of us really understood boundaries at all or like how to really maneuver them. Um, cause like for me personally, I, I, I realized after the fact that I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) how to maneuver boundaries. And I don't think he does either. Um, so that kind of like, it made for a lot of miscommunication um, and hurtful situations. Um, and like, I'm not mad about it because I think both of us were at a lot of fault because I don't think either of us were really like fully aware of how boundaries really need to work in that kind of a relationship. Um, not that anything, like, weird happened. It was more of just, like... Not being on the same page. Yeah, and that, yeah, that was pretty much 
most of it was not being on the same page. Um, so Ugh. I think if you, you know, if you have boundaries, you really like, at least in my case, I would appreciate for whoever my future partner is to be very clear about what they want and what they don't want. Communicate. Communi- yeah. I think that's why communication is such a big thing. Like me and that friend had a very big lack of communication as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really realize it in the moment. Um, so, yeah. I think if there's... You need to have clear defined boundaries. Even if... Even if you're, like, the king or queen of boundaries. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Teach me your ways, queen of boundaries. <laughs> but I think boundaries are always something that you can always learn more about. Mm-hmm. So, um, stalking... Constant checking in or becoming overly involved. Huh. We talked about this a little bit last time. He would call you when he when you were with like me or Margaret or mm-hmm. anybody from our side of the friend group. Yep. He did not care for that. That was the only time when he would just call to say hi or mm-hmm. just call to say I love you. Um, was when I just so happened to be hanging out with yep. other friends. Yep. I don't know about, like, oh, well, would it, was he overly involved? In the beginning, he was involved enough just to be part of my friend group, be part of my family, hang around everyone that I knew. Trying. Trying very hard to win everyone over when he realized he could not accomplish that because he's a, <laughs> he made some very bad choices. I'm not going to say he was a horrible human being, but he made some very bad choices. He wasn't smart about it. <laughs> <laughs> he packed his stuff and left and took me with him, essentially. Yep. But we, we covered that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, some of just brief bullet points for um, just everybody out there to look out for. Um, the installation of monitoring cameras showing up at locations uninvited, showing up at the victim's workplace unannounced, um, incessant phone calls or text anger if a call or text isn't returned promptly, installing surveillance software and tracking computers. I don't think that showing up at a workplace is necessarily the worst thing. Um, Depends. It depends. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, like, Margaret, we had a couple of friends who visited her at work to surprise her with coffee. Mm -hmm. It was a surprise. It was super sweet. And I'm like, dang, that is so nice. But that, that was also for the purpose of doing something kind. Exactly. That wasn't like, you know, and then just checking in, I'm like, what is she up to? And then on the other side of the coin, you have my ex who showed up at my work to try to get me back, and we had to call security and the police to get him to leave my work. Mm-hmm. So it really depends. It's case by case. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, case by case is a good way to define that. And mm-hmm. then all those other ones. Um Inability to compromise an emotional invalidation. Yep. I, I spoke on this earlier. Yep. Um, it was always me compromising. I was the one who had to change my plans, change what I was doing in order to meet whatever he wanted to do. He could do whatever he wanted, but I would have to go along with it or else oh, I won't see you that day. Mm. And quality time is my love language, so I was willing to do whatever I had to do in order to spend time with him. Whether that was go to a sketch bar at 1 o'clock in the morning, um, 
or hanging out at a house party where we were drinking ourselves silly. So I made a lot of compromises for Mm. him. And emotional invalidation, that was literally every conversation we ever had, ever. I would bring up an issue, he would shut me down, he would get defensive, he would say, I am right, you are wrong, and I would want nothing to do with the conversation. It would freak me out. I don't like confrontation or conflict. So I would say, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. and then that would be the end of that. That was literally every conversation we ever had, ever. Mm -hmm. Common statements may be made by the abuser, like, you're over-emotional, you're over-dramatic, you're too sensitive. Why do you always blow everything out of the water? All of that and then some. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, 18 is coercive behavior or withholding. Um, coercive or manipulative behavior beyond what is has already been mentioned in this article is a warning of emotional abuse. An abuser views the control of separation as a tool to get what they want from the victim. Withholding communication, affection, or sex is manipulative because it is used to control the victim. It can leave a person depressed, feeling worthless, helpless, lonely, and unwanted. This is precisely what it is meant to do. Its purpose is to wear the victim down and make them vulnerable and dependent upon the abuser. It may involve statements like, if you love me, you would blank. Silent treatment or withholding communication, withholding affection or sex, threatening suicide because of the victim, um, project of bad behavior onto the victim or ultimatums. Withholding communication um, was his big way of dealing with his anger um, in general, but specifically towards me. I remember there was a morning when he was not good at getting places on time. I don't think he was ever on time to anything ever in our lives. (laughs) Um, But one morning he overslept. I tried to encourage him to get up for work. He did not. He was super late. He was running late. He was angry. It was his fault. On my way home, he called me to give me the opportunity to apologize to him for making him late. He called me. I answered. He was silent, and then he hung up on me. And then he texted me and said, I'm too mad at you to say anything nice right now. So I went through that whole day panicking, thinking he's mad at me because he was late for work. How is this my fault? So I was stressed that entire day until I finally heard from him again, like later that night when he was on his way home. My goodness gracious. It was awful. He would do that a lot. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, 19 is paranoia. Oh, (laughs) yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. He lived in a way like we were going to have the apocalypse the next day. He was like, um, the government's going to turn against us. The world is going to end. Robots are going to take over the world. Whatever. We have to be ready. He was a conspiracy theorist. He believed that everyone was out to get him. He said, they're always going to be watching us. I want to live off the land where no one can find us. And I'm like, that's creepy. I want to be found by the right people who want to find me. What are you suggesting? So, yeah, he was super paranoid about everything and everyone. He thought that football was rigged. Literally how? (laughs) He thought that they, it was like pro wrestling, that they would pick a winner in advance 
and everyone had a role to play and teams would deliberately lose and the other team would deliberately win. He thought everything was pre-planned. Oh everything was... What a weird conspiracy. I know. He'd be sitting there watching football with my family, bashing the team that we were going through, for one. Super disrespectful, super insulting, just making fun of our football team. And I'd be like, shut your mouth. He would say no. But yeah, he was paranoid about everything and everybody. Does this person actually exist? Stuff like that. Oh, you know, I was reading the the thing underneath to kind of pick a small just excerpt to read. And the abuser may have the perspective that the world is out to get them. Mm. And that they deserve better or more than what they have received in life. Fancy freaking that. So, uh, 20 is a lack of trust. Yeah. I was the one who had cheated before. Yep. I was the one who had the bad track record or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he didn't trust me and I certainly didn't trust him. Yep. Um, a lack of trust can signal emotional abuse because it often leads to unnecessary false accusations and interrogations. Um, mistrust, especially without evidence, creates feelings of anxiety, hopelessness, abandonment, and depression. Um, it also has the potential to be used as a manipulation tool by the abuser, um, whether the accusations are warranted or not. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they were not warranted. Fancy that. Fancy freaking that. Um, we're gonna try and blast through, because we have, like, four more left. Let's go! Our three more left. Um, 21 is angry behavior. Yes, yes, and heck yes. He yeah. got mad about everything. Oh, yeah, and he, that was not a hidden trait either. Nope. It was very obvious. Um, we had a Bible study with some friends who were desperately trying to get us to join their church, and the details of it are completely irrelevant. So he tried to pick a fight, tried to pick a theological debate with these friends, and he ended up storming off. He left. He was like, well, I'm just going to leave. And he stormed out. I followed him, of course. I always followed him. And he just sat there in his car stewing. And I was trying to get him to talk. And then finally, he was like on his phone, deliberately ignoring me for like 20 minutes. And then finally, he was like, what do you want? What do you want? Just let me go. And then he drove off in a fit of rage. Half an hour later, he called. He didn't apologize, but he was talking to me again. Mm. Um, so he left you there? Yeah, he left me at our friend's house. Oh, my God. And I had to get a ride home from someone else. So, again, with withholding communication. Mm. It was awful. He was a very, very, very angry person who yelled at me on multiple occasions. Mm. Yep. Um, severe mood swings often accompany angry behavior. The unpredictability leaves the victim living in fear and, um, instability. I think something that I've seen a lot, and I think that you talked about in the last episode, um, like, they'll have these very big outbursts of anger and then immediately, like, be like, I'm so sorry. Or, like, just cry. (laughs) I remember three instances where he did that. Anger, calling me names, making me feel like the worst person in the world, had me cowering on the mm-hmm. kitchen floor. And, and then, then he just totally I'm flipped. I'm sorry! Crying. I'm so sorry. Yep. I love you so much. Yep. Ugh. Three times. Yep. Three times too many. But that's a... I, I think that's the most common... Um, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like, um, 
I guess, story that I've heard um, from people in those situations or who have been in those situations. You know, there's just this big outburst of anger, whether it's purely emotional abuse or it escalates to physical abuse, but then they'll immediately try and be the sweetest person. Sure will. Um, one of the things it says, once again, the best response is to remove yourself from the situation to a safe place. Stay at a distance and remain calm. If you feel like you are in danger, don't hesitate to call 911. I came really close the night that I left him to calling 911 because he took my keys. Mm. And if he yeah. hadn't given me my keys back, I still had my phone, so I probably would have had to call 911. Yep. Um, 22. <laughs> After all this, subtle physical and verbal abuse. Subtle? Yep. Subtle. There was nothing subtle about him. <laughs> well... No, I... I mean, were there any instances of... I mean, I know there was probably a lot of verbal, but I feel like you mm -hmm. told me about a couple of really small instances of, like, physical... Yeah, the things. night that he pushed me. Um, he came home from a party. He'd been drinking a lot. Of course. And he was moody and was not talking to me. Again, withholding communication. And instead of telling me whatever had happened, he uh, shoved me out of his way. And told me to go to bed. And I was like, what? And this was like in the weeks leading up to me mm. leaving him. It's like his behavior was <laughs> on full display in the most aggressive way. Because that was the only way I was going to realize how horribly he was treating me. Yeah. So. I think. It had to happen. At that point, he probably thought that he had his claws in you deep enough that if he were to do mm -hmm. something like that, you would still stick I would around. forgive him and stay with him. Something, okay. I just had a memory, and I, I have <laughs> told you this before, but I don't know if you remember it. Um, but something that I remember, uh, this was before he got asked to leave our group, or I think it was, but you weren't there. I don't remember why. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was me, him... Margaret was probably there, and then one of our other friends, and you guys were already engaged, and I, I think it was the other friend, uh, call him John, <laughs> to give him the most basic name ever, <laughs> but I think John had asked him, like, like, what if things don't work out or something, or if you guys, um, break up, and... Uh, DB with full confidence said, she's not going to leave me. Oh. He was extremely self-assured when he said that. That might not be the exact word he used, but essentially, yeah, he was like, you know, there's no way that she's going to leave. Oh. Oh, jokes <laughs> on you, pal. <laughs> I feel like it, I, I can't oh. remember most of what happened, but I either I either said this out loud or I thought it in my head of like, are you sure about that? <laughs> mm, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I but like I, I, when I was listening back to the episode from last week, I thought about that and I remembered that and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I need to talk about that. But he was, yeah, he was extremely self-assured. And I was like, mm. You're like, okay. The John Cena. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Um, <laughs> oh, gross. Ew, I don't like that. Yeah, I, even in that moment, I was like, yep. 
everything that I've thought about you so far has been confirmed in this one moment. Because I was like, why are you so self-assured that she's not going to leave? Because, like, you guys got engaged really early on. So you still had a bunch of time before you guys were, like, before your, like, planned wedding date. Yep. And so I was like, the whole, like, the whole time between, like, I mean, maybe before that moment, but especially that moment onward, I was just, like, hoping and praying, and I'm just like, something has to happen before they get married. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, please, God, like, just let that happen. And it did. Two months before we got married is when I Yeah, it was so, yeah. Like, the closer it got, the the less, I I would say the more I was like, she's gonna end up in this awful relationship. Mm -hmm. I was like, and then she's gonna be stuck there. Yep. And that was like, oh, it was so, it was sad to like, think about that. So I was like, I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yay, it didn't. Yay, yay. So the last point on this list is, uh, how do you say that word? Financial predation. Predation? Financial predation. Financial abuse and predation are huge red flags of emotional abuse in a relationship. It often goes together with other types of abuse as a manipulation tool to control another person. The abuser's motive is to remove power and means from the survivor. Money provides independence, security, and a sense of well-being to an abuser. It must go. Signs to look for are that the abuser may steal money from you, demand access to bank accounts, monitor your deposits and expenditures, use your money for their own gain, use credit cards without permission, Demand you give them your paychecks, confiscate and control all sources of income, threaten to turn you in for scamming them, or allow you to call, uh, allow your credit to fall into ruin. Many survivors end up staying with or returning to their abusers because of financial instability. This keeps them locked in an abusive relationship with no means of escape. Yeah, a lot of those applied to him. He stole money from my parents. Um, they paid him to build that deck, mm-hmm. and he did not. He kept their money, never paid him back. They gave him $3,000 to spend on the wedding. That never happened. He kept the money, spent it for himself, um, never paid him back. So he was horrible with money. Absolutely horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, like, something that he kind of... I, I think part of the, the draw-in was he claimed... That he did have a lot of money. He did? Mm-hmm. And that he could provide for you. Because at that point, you were living with your parents. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to be financially stable and out of their house. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I can provide all this <laughs> for you, which was total crap. Yep, we can travel the world. And I remember when we were leaving state, he was saying over and over again, I'm going to make triple figures with this job. I'm going to make a lot of money with this job. We should rent the two bedroom apartment that costs twice as much as the one bedroom apartment because I'm going to be making a lot of money. I have a good job and we need the space to host parties and stuff. So he invested in an apartment that was twice as big and twice as costly as the one I wanted. And then he blamed me for wanting the bigger apartment the night I left him. You have financially screwed me, he would say, because... That's what the mm -hmm. thing said. He said that on multiple occasions. You have screwed me financially 
because you're the one who wanted the bigger apartment. You're the one who wanted to move here. And I was like, no, I can relate back to a very specific conversation when I said, I don't want to move out of state. I Mm. love it here. And he convinced me to go with him. He was the one who wanted the bigger apartment because he wanted the deck. He wanted the space for hosting parties. Mm -hmm. So, again, I had no voice. He did what he wanted, and I went along with it. Mm -hmm. So, that financial one, 100%. Yep. I think financials is a really big reason why, like, I, I, it said in the list, but, like, that's why a lot of people stay and go back. Yep. Especially if you're married. Yeah. For sure. Makes it harder to leave. I imagine, when you're married. Yeah, because at that point you're already, like, probably separated from your family and your friends, and you have no external support, so trying to leave is harder, because in a lot of situations, I bet those people probably are like, we don't really want you back. I mean, I guess, yeah. I, guess I don't know for sure how it is in or for other people, um, or people's families. But I know, like, our community, if you, if your parents said, like, you can't come home, someone in our group would have probably opened up their home for you. because that's the kind of group it is. Everyone is so loving and so generous and so kind and so welcoming. And my parents are awesome. By the grace of God. Yeah, you have great parents. They wanted me home. They were like, come on home, baby girl. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're right. Our group is just that kind of group. Yeah. And I love everyone so much. Yeah. Yeah, I, when we were talking last night and you were, um, sharing your testimony with that new girl, Mm -hmm. um, I, I just remembered, like, knowing that you were coming back and, like, I wrote in, God, I sing your praises on this day, glory to you that Marianne woke up and came home. And then, uh, later on in my writing, I said, um, I thank you, Lord, for not forsaking me or forsaking Marianne. And I remember, I was like, I don't think I've ever felt joy like that in my life. I was like, even after everything that happened, I was so, just, so happy that you were coming back. Oh, me too. Because I didn't think it, like, at that point, you were out of state, so I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And then when you were like, hey, there's stuff that he's doing that I don't like, I was like, (gasps) (laughs) the cracks. (laughs) Because <laughs> I, you guys were supposed to get like, uh, quote unquote, married. Yep. Before you left, and you were we gonna, didn't. Like, the courthouse thing, and didn't he oversleep? Yep. He overslept, and so it didn't end up happening. Yep. And so I, I remember asking you about that like the day after, and you were like, "No, it didn't happen," and I was like, "Okay." And then you were by yourself for like six, three days. Uh, yes, I got there on a Thursday night, and I was there until Monday morning, Monday afternoon by myself. So, like, about three or four days. Yeah. And then when he got there, finally, and you were texting me, like, you were noticing all this stuff about him, and you were like, you know, I don't like that he's doing that, and, like, all this stuff, and I was like, oh my gosh. She can leave. <laughs> <laughs> she she's going. And then because you were like they were very like significant. Like you even said these are red flags mm-hmm. to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, oh my gosh, it's happening. <laughs> I remember texting you because we were at lunch 
Yep. And um, I don't remember exactly what he did at the restaurant, but I was texting you while we were at the restaurant. I was like, ew. (laughs) I don't like it. Yeah. And then when you were texting me a little while, you were kind of... You guys had had, like, a conversation or something, I think? Probably. And you were, like, texting me about it, and, like, this was, like, a couple hours before... Was it the night I left? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, that was an answer to prayer, for sure, because I was talking to my parents, I was talking to you, and I was talking to that non-biased third party oh, yeah, to get yeah, her yeah. input. And when she told me, get out, that was, like, the final. Mm. That's when I was like, okay... And I told my mom, hey, I'm coming home. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I'm praying, Mm. like, at this moment that something, that a door will open. And literally, I went upstairs. We had that talk. And that talk led to anger and fighting. Oh, yeah. Um, And then I left. Yep. Yay! Yay! Um, So we've been talking for quite some time. But I hope that if you're listening and... Anything in this list sounds familiar to you, um, please seek help. Obviously, we're not professionals, and um, we're just reading a list online, and, and, you know, Marianne's sharing her (laughs) personal experiences. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just seek help. Ask your friends and family. And be honest. Be honest. Be honest with your friends, your family, and be honest with yourself. Because I was lying to myself. Yeah. A lot. Yep. So be honest with yourself. Tell the truth about what you're dealing with. Yep. So I do hope that um, if you're listening out there and you're going through um, anything similar, anything we listed in the list, any wait, anything that was on the list, um, or anything that Marianne talked about, um, yeah, just uh, seek help and uh, we wish you the best. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, I think next week we'll be covering toxic relationships in media. Oh, yes. Um, Because we have a lot to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be probably, hopefully not as heavy. Hopefully not. (laughs) You know, this is laughing through the pain. So if we're not laughing through hard topics, what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you like our episodes, um, and you've been listening so far, uh, rate us five stars on Spotify. Um, you can listen on Anchor and YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, leave us a comment. Just, I don't know, share your experiences. Um, you can reach us on Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram. I have my own personal YouTube channel that I still haven't uploaded to because I've been procrastinating because I I just don't have any, I don't have any motivation to like edit videos. Because it's a whole different ballgame to editing, just audio. But, yep, just follow us on all of our platforms. And, yeah, we'll uh, see you next week. Mwah! Mwah!